Welcome. This is Sheep Stuff You Should Know. I'm Dr. Rosie Bush at, at UC Davis in California, and I'm joined here with Dan Macon in Auburn, California. How are you doing, Dan? Good. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What do you got going on? Oh, man. Let's see. What don't, what's not going on right yeah. now? <laughs> um, I'll start at the ranch. We... Um, Saturday went through the use and body condition scored everybody and did our five point check for parasites and did some targeted deworming and we've got uh, got them all on irrigated pasture now we'll start flushing them on Monday and breeding season is just a matter of weeks away so it's I always think of this time of year kind of like um, kind of like the season of Advent leading up to the new year, which is the day the Rams go in. That's, I think that's the first day of the sheep year for me. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of cool to be yeah. leading up to next year's lamb crop. So yeah. Cool. What, what's going on there? Oh, lots of meetings and conventions and projects and lots of things. It's, I was just thinking about that the other day about how just two years ago so I've been here for two years now I was all worried because you know just ramping up a program and not you know having so many directions to go and yeah you know get, getting there like how okay how do I make this happen and now here I am two years later with all of these things happening and still so many th places to go and so still so much opportunity it's really exciting but it's, yeah yeah it's a lot but, to manage but it, yeah it feels like juggling plates or something yeah yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to make sure I don't drop one but <laughs> all good <laughs> I I dropped one this morning I totally spaced on a meeting I was supposed to have today and fortunately it was a very understanding person so I'll have the meeting next week. <laughs> yeah, that helps. That helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah most folks, it's funny because I'll tell people if like, don't feel bad about emailing me twice because yep. often the first email just got buried under yep. everything else. Or call me if it's something that needs to be addressed soon and it's not a big deal. Like, you know, I think people feel bad about taking time, but that's, I mean, that's what we're here for. That's right. And, that's right. Yep. And I'd rather be reminded than have it just totally go by the wayside. Couldn't forget so. entirely. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. I do. I do want to put a plug in really quick. Just um, if if anybody amongst our listeners is starting a new livestock guardian dog pup, um, we've got a survey that we're doing of, of producers who are bonding puppies to livestock to really get a handle on what works and what doesn't and what kind of the success rate in that process is. So if you've got a dog that you're starting or if you've got a litter of puppies that you'll be placing other places, um, get in touch with me about the survey because I think it would be really helpful to get get actual producer experiences documented and recorded and understood. Absolutely. Very cool. All right. I interrupted you. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was an important plug. <laughs> There's a lot going on with, it sounds like, from what you've got with the livestock guardian dogs and uh, 
sheep herders and all of that. So, yeah, yeah, there is. There's, and there's lots of crossover with what you're doing. I think, you know, it's, it all, all is part of that bigger picture, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about a lot of the work that we do it, you know, like we talk about understanding the problem is half, you're halfway there once you understand it. Yep. But what's the other half? The other half is maybe implementing a new strategy and all these things. And that half is what can really kind of be the barrier to actually addressing problems. Yep. And I don't think it always has to be, you know, I think we need to meet people um, to where we can start showing like integrated management. So, okay, well, yes, we're concerned about maybe this one disease that is affecting your production. Does that mean you have to change everything? It shouldn't. Yeah. You know, we should be able to integrate some of these strategies into what people are doing on the ground. And what's the challenge there is that everyone's farm looks different. So it really takes an individual eye or attention to kind of be able to adapt some of these management strategies to each place. But I think that's where some value is coming up. I do too. And I think part of the value of extension when it's done well, and I've, I've observed you with producers and, and uh, the other advisors that I look up to um, really can, can translate that scientific information into kind of practical application. And um, I think it takes somebody who's willing to jump in and work alongside a, a producer um, and learn from that producer. I think that's the other piece of extension that's that's so important is that we're always learning from the people we're working with. Um, yeah, absolutely. About those those issues too. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I so I've been really lucky to be invited to give talks at these different meetings and things. And I was told early on, oh, once you get your repertoire of talks, it'll be really easy. You kind of just like you know <laughs> <laughs> copy and paste. But I really haven't found that to be true. I feel like every talk I give has to be adapted to each audience. Yeah. And so you know, which is great. I think that's the point, right? And but it's, it always, I always want it to be perfect and I want it to. <laughs> so, well, and then the guy running the projector screws it up. And I know, my goodness. <laughs> that was amazing. How come it was only my slide? <laughs> I blame your, I blame your thumb drive. Okay. <laughs> your thumb drive. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Uh, well, I think this all ties into our topic pretty well. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to, this is a challenging topic to address, but I think really important, but I wanted to bring up um, mental health and the importance of acknowledging mental health and maybe some of the resources that are out there to kind of help us learn how to cope with stress and, or just understand what different stressors can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, we just, explain some of our busyness that we have and I think everyone has you know varying levels of busyness um does busyness equal stress Hmm. no I think maybe sometimes I for me that's a good question I think sometimes for me being busy alleviates stress yeah 
and not about... necessarily in a positive way. Yeah. But but I think there is an element of that for me. Yeah. How about for you? I was just thinking about last year when everything shut down and it, that was the most stressful thing for me. Like, how am I going to do these things? How am I going to make these connections? I have, mm-hmm. you know, everything got put on hold and that is such a odd, strange feeling to have. I think for folks like us who are used mm-hmm. to being really active and busy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't, I think being busy is a good thing. But it's also how we think about it. Right. Um, right. And how we're able to manage it, which <laughs> that can no, be I, some I, of the challenge. Yeah. I, I had an experience this last couple of weeks, um, kind of two things along those lines. The the one that relates to being busy, I have wanted to learn to weld for a long time. I didn't learn to weld in high school. And so I got into an adult um, class, welding class, evening class, two nights a week, two and a half hours a, a night, um, started a couple of weeks ago. And I realized that it was absolutely stressing me out to think I had one more thing to do in the evening after work that, you know, I've, I teach classes of my own in the evenings and often have sheep work in the evenings. And I just did this to myself. One more thing that I had to do. And, um, and so I decided, you know what, I, what I did was make a donation to the welding program at Placer High School, and that's okay. Yeah, I'll learn to weld another time when I'm in a space where I can, can spend the time doing it, you know? Yeah, you know, it's funny, I noticed that about myself. A few months ago, I used to go to a gym where they really put pressure on you to go five days a week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. then it became something, another thing on my to-do list that I had to do. Yeah. And then then if I missed it, then you get those negative emotions. And I was like, I can't, I don't want to do, this is not the experience that I want from this. And so I left and started at a different place that they don't have that same kind of pressure. They're like, oh, if you want to do three days, that's great. <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah, it's interesting. Once it becomes something that is, you know, it's meant to be for yourself and a positive thing, but even those positive things can be just another thing that you need to get done. And yeah, all of a sudden doesn't have that same positive. Yeah. 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 But, not go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, so then is all stress bad stress or is hmm. there good stress? I think there's, I think for me, there's probably, probably both. Um, I think that's a good question. I think sometimes stress creates the conditions in which I can think creatively about something. Mm-hmm. If I give myself space, that there's got to be some, some kind of stress to generate that kind of creative thought to some degree. Um, Kind of pushes you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. And that I, to be honest, that's kind of what I'd hoped that um, this welding class would do. Mm -hmm. But um, I think there's time stress and mental stress, Mm -hmm. right? And time stress maybe for me is, more difficult to cope with just because there is limited time in the day versus the mental stress of a problem that you're trying to wrap your brain around or 
being uncomfortable with an, a new process or technique or skill. Um, that's a, I hadn't thought of it in that, in that line. It, do you find that stress can be helpful for you? I in do. Some ways? I think it's necessary for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's how yeah. I make my deadlines. It's how, right. you know, and I don't know, it's, I think, you know, being in a training program for many, many years through vet school and then my residency, they were all very high stress situations, receiving mm -hmm. emergencies and that whole, it's just kind of trained my brain to think in those situations, which is one of these, I kind of want to bring up these um, resources that I just got sent to me, I think yesterday <laughs> or the day before from Larry Trainel at Iowa State University. He's a dairy extension and he's also a psychiatrist hmm. um, or psychologist excuse me and he just published these resources on managing farm stress mitigating farm um, distress de-stressing farm relationships and they're really incredible they're unlike anything I've seen before and I think what's really interesting with these is they not only give really interesting coping strategies, but they also explain what different stressors are and how our brain reacts to those. And I think just having that knowledge, I mean, you know, like we like to understand things. I think a lot of folks that farm and ranch, when we make changes, it's because it makes sense to us. Mm -hmm. Right. And so understanding where these stresses come from and how our body reacts to them, I think will help us make those changes. So I've been in these training programs my whole <laughs> adult life that have basically made me be able to handle these high stress situations. And so I just, I, I think I just tend to cope with them a little bit differently. And I find really weird situations, exciting and challenging. Um, and that's that logic side of our brain. And so it's like, okay, just when that scary, stressful situation comes in, you kind of take that fear and just stick it in your gut where it belongs and then <laughs> let your brain do the work. Because if you just let fear sit in front of, it kind of puts that cloud of your brain where you can't really think very well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think in a lot of disaster response situations, that's why we have these really short five minute videos on what to do in disasters because no one's think you can't it's really hard to think straight in the midst of these really high stress situations mm -hmm. but that kind of I think that's what a lot of the farming community is good at is logic and finding that reasoning but recognizing that you're in a high stress situation I think is the first part of it like recognizing that whether it's distrust fear or whatever and kind of assigning that emotion, letting it be there. It's okay. You don't have to be happy about it. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, then, and then trying to tackle it, I think is, that's the hard part. Um, Do you think that there is a difference in how you handle kind of chronic stress versus acute stress? Yeah. And, and Give me an example. I want to want to share another another thing that's happened here recently too. But how how is that different for you? 
have a really good example that <laughs> when I was a resident, we have to um, write up case reports and submit them and then a committee reviews them and they're supposed to give you, what do you call it, critical or feedback, right, that you can use. Um, and the feedback that I got was completely useless. <laughs> <laughs> And it was really frustrating. And uh, I was like, oh, if I can't pass this one, I'll probably not pass any of them. Well, that is not true. Well, so Dr. Angelos, who was one of my great mentors in my residency, he goes, Rosie, okay. He takes a pencil, picks it up, draws on the wall in the hospital, <laughs> all the way across the wall, this line. And until the pencil is basically broken, he takes that pencil and he sticks it in the sharpener. He pulls it out, looks at it. He sticks it back in the sharpener, blows off all the dust until it's basically sharp enough that it could poke a hole in you. And he sticks that sharp pencil on one spot in the line. And he says, this is this moment in time in your whole life. Like, <laughs> you know, and it just puts it into perspective. And so those kind of acute things, I think you can, if you can take a step back and recognize, okay, this is a moment in time. We can deal with this. And honestly, like coping with that rejection or learning to cope with rejection has probably put me in a position where I am right now, where, you know, grants get rejected all the time. Maybe papers get rejected, but you can resubmit. And it's a big part of what we do is dealing with that rejection, but also taking it to the next level. So I think that acute stress, maybe it's a little bit easier to take a step back, see the big picture, mm -hmm. and then kind of be able to deal with that challenge. Mm -hmm. But really important to be able to take a step back. I think in dealing with acute stress, if you just kind of barrel into it, you forget what the big picture is and what your goal, your direction is. Acute or chronic stress, I think that's really challenging to deal with on your own. I think that's where your relationships come in, whether it's family, community, that help you kind of realize how this plays into your big picture, because it kind of becomes part of you. If, if you've been dealing with these chronic stressors for a long time, it's hard to pull that away from your big goal, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I... I think kind of a similar perspective. I think in those acute stress situations for me, um, I'm a fairly decisive person. And I think, um, I think a lot of farmers and ranchers are pretty action oriented. Give me something to do and I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Let's not him and haw about it. And I think in an acute stress situation, so let's say it's a, um, a fire right next door or a disease outbreak in the sheep. I mean, I, yeah, that's stressful, but I feel like I've kind of thought about those situations and have in my mind what I would do if I were in them. And, and there's kind of a, a logical course of action to take. I hit a, hit a wall last week um, when that Caldor fire blew up. So mm -hmm. not directly threatening me, um, but certainly threatening friends and colleagues. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, we're here 60 days into the Dixie fire and we've got another fire that's burned across the Sierra to crest. It's only the second time it's ever happened. And it's the driest two years any of us can remember. And the pandemic doesn't seem to go away. Mm -hmm. And there's political uncertainty and unrest and all of these other things. And I, I hit a day last week where I just had to give myself a break. I couldn't really concentrate on anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I don't know that that's chronic stress or if it's kind of crisis fatigue or if it's, um, it's things that are, that seem so external that, that you don't have any control over any of it that, that I find harder to deal with than those acute personal direct impacts from, from something in my operation or, or my house or my work. You know, I think that's, those things are more difficult for me. Do you think that's where community comes in and helps or your relationships? Because I mean, yeah, when you have no control over a situation, that's. Yeah, I do think community is part of that and, and kind of family and friend relationships are, are a huge help in that regard. I think, um, you know, doing something physical, whether it's going out and building fence or just going for a walk or splitting wood or something like that Mm -hmm. helps too, just to, to kind of focus my mind on a, on, on an activity rather than all the stuff around me. Laughing helps a lot. Yeah. I was going (laughs) to say, what about humor? Yeah. Yeah. I had a really great conversation with, um, an old friend from a Lakota tribe in South Dakota. And she is just the funniest human I've ever met. (laughs) And she's like, well, we use humor to cope. And that would kind of struck me. Um, But it's true. And it's, it's, it's a sad, but beautiful thing. And humor is so I think just smiling in general is so contagious. And it really does help with I think emotional well-being and I love the quote that Larry put in one of these things it says life is like a mirror smile at it and it smiles back at you that was so cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah I like that I like that and I think laughing at myself is part of that yeah I think I I, so I I do think yeah and I I think we we've probably already ticked off all of our cattle producing friends already so i can <laughs> i can go here now but uh i think kind of the nature of raising sheep requires some kind of self-deprecating humor um part of it i think is that sheep can find so many ways to die no matter what we do yeah but <laughs> if you don't laugh about it you don't stay very long in the in the industry yeah. um but i i think I think there is an element in raising small ruminants of not taking ourselves too seriously. Yeah. That may be different in some other parts of, of the livestock business. Yeah. Um, They're so stoic They're Yeah. 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 So tell me more about these resources. What struck you as, as really valuable in the, the information from Iowa state. I really like how they explain, I kind of mentioned that, but how they explain how your body reacts to just kind of the negative emotions that you feel. 
Um, so physical reaction, chemical reaction. Yeah, all, all of that. Things. They yeah. show where it, you know, how your brain responds and how fast it comes. So even if you, you know, have prepared and you know what to do in these situations, those emotions are coming. Mm-hmm. And so it, they explain, you know, how we perceive those emotions or these negative it has a big deal or it, it plays a big part in how we can cope with these situations long-term. Um, and I don't know, I just think having that understanding can kind of really help. Okay. Yes. This is really, they, they showed that even folks who understand that this is a, you know, this is scary. This is, I need to deal with this their heart rate still goes up They're, you know, they still mm-hmm. have that kind of physical response, but then they showed that, you know, maybe their blood vessels don't constrict as much as someone who just kind of lets the negative emotions drive them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is kind of a physical long-term benefit to trying to manage those emotions and have let your brain kind of think logically through these situations. Um, which I thought was really interesting. And then I really liked uh, some of their strategies for coping, really focused on the smiling, the breathing, just kind of how you present yourself mm-hmm. um, was a big, one of the big uh, sections on coping, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and then they focused a lot on community and having that sense of direction um, and kind of giving yourself compassion, like you said, if you if you're having a day where you're just overwhelmed by a lot of things that are kind of out of your control and you need to take a break, give yourself a break. Like don't yeah. feel bad about it. And that guilt comes in and you know, yeah. like Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, my sisters kind of taught me through a lot of that with like mom guilt, they call it <laughs> when you go back to work after. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, having kids, there's a thing where moms feel guilty about that. And yeah, he's like, but you're a role model, like you're doing things and, you know, like good things. And um, so kind of just train reframing the picture as best you can so that it's, you know, not always a negative thing and you know, shouldn't feel guilty about taking that time. Um, Because hopefully then, like you said, you kind of reset and then the next day you can be more productive and you're able to kind of deal with those problems. You know, one of the things I'm struck by in in this conversation, um, it always comes back to to livestock, right? Mm -hmm. But um, somebody once told me that low stress stock handling is not no stress, that there has to be some stress in order to be able to release that stress when you get the behavior or the direction that you want out mm-hmm. of a group of livestock. And I, I wonder, um, thinking about kind of the stresses that I struggle with sometimes, I wonder if it kind of gets to, to that good stress, bad stress question. You know, good stress, when you can relieve it, kind of opens the window to new creativity or new directions. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, I think for me, I've got to go through that stress component to get to the other side and and be able to see something a little differently. And I think maybe one of the the 
things that it's difficult has been difficult for me as a younger person was giving myself time for that stress to be relieved. Yeah, that's another thing they mentioned was that we tend to want to deal with the chaos until it's no longer chaos right? before we allow ourselves to be with family, to be present and all of those things. And, you know, sometimes that's, that's just not realistic. And then it, you get into those situations where you then it becomes chronic stress and you're never, Mm -hmm. so then your thought process starts to go out a little bit and so giving yourselves those times to be with family to be present where you are is really important for that even those long chaotic situations just be able to pull yourself out of it give yourself a mental break and then I've heard so many times from different folks yeah I was oh I was just at a farm the other day and he says yeah my wife you know got tickets for us in San Francisco And I was so mad at her because I was dealing with all these things. And he said he was driving and all of a sudden this idea came up. He's like, why did I think, you know, like gave himself this chance to not be in the middle of it. Yeah. And this idea came out of just driving in the middle, you know, not in the middle of nowhere, but probably in traffic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, it's a change of perspective that's and there's a there's a similar approach that has helped me sometimes where i force myself not to make a decision until i've slept on it or or until i'm not looking straight at it it's kind of like looking you know if you try to look at a really faint star if you look straight at it you can't see it but if you look off to the side a little bit it's there and i think i think forcing ourselves to look off to the side a little bit sometimes helps identify other solutions to a problem too yeah and then maybe we start to see I think when we get really close to a problem we kind of forget who else is also close to it with us whether that's Mm -hmm. our partners our employees our spouses Mm -hmm. they're right there and they're seeing the same thing but if we focus in too close we kind of forget that they're there Mm -hmm. and that I think is really stressful for them too you know because they're they're seeing the problem Maybe they don't know how to deal with it as well, but they're feeling the same negative emotions. Um, And I think once you take that step back, you can maybe bring in more people into your thought process and Mm -hmm. get those different perspectives can be helpful. I am sure that since Sammy, I don't think listens to the podcast, I can say this. (laughs) I am sure that I never cause any stress for Sammy <laughs> around any of these things. <laughs> no, but I think that's a really good point. And sometimes it's hard to back up enough to, to see it through somebody else's eyes. Yeah. And they might even be trying to like relieve stress, but they don't know how. And, yeah, you know, and sometimes that can become resentful and, Yep. Yeah, I think just really being able to take a break and see that bigger picture, know why you're doing this. Why are we stressed out about this anyway? Well, you know, like you and Ryan have said many times, if you don't care, you shouldn't be doing this. Like, right. You should right. be, there should be a level of stress right. and concern for certain situations. Right. Should it get to a point of distress or bad stress where you can't even deal with the situation? That's where we need to kind of reevaluate. Yeah. Bring in yeah. more people and 
Yeah. And, and cut ourselves some slack maybe too. Absolutely. I, I think of a friend um, who raises sheep and cattle up in Southeastern Oregon, Liz Hubbard. I posted some, I may have mentioned this to you, but I posted something about a lamb that I just couldn't save and tried mm -hmm. to articulate that it, you know, yeah, it's an economic loss, but it feels like a failure when you you're responsible for an animal and you can't save it. And um, Liz's comment back was the day that that doesn't bother you is the day you should sh quit raising livestock because that's, yeah, it's stressful and it sucks and it's a hard thing to cope with, but that's also part of make part of what makes us want to raise livestock and be conscientious and, and responsible and, well, and we put that pressure on ourselves, right? Veterinarians yeah. are notorious for this. We expect yeah. ourselves to be perfect. We, you know, when something goes wrong, it's always, you know, we think it's something we did. Right. And maybe sometimes it is, but that's a learning opportunity. And then, you know, you, we usually we learn from our mistakes and that never happens again. Um, but give, like you said, giving yourself that grace and the ability to actually learn from that you know, whether it was a mistake or something that just didn't go the way you expected it to. Yep. But yeah, I don't know <laughs> what I was going to say, but I don't know, just we put, oh, that's this is where I was going. We put that <laughs> pressure on ourselves and then you have kind of those external folks that maybe don't understand the situation really well, whether they be clients for veterinarians, whether they're activists that are totally anti-ag that are you know they put added pressure mm -hmm. and I don't know for me when it's a client I kind of realize okay they they don't understand I'm trying to explain but they're also very emotional and they're just not hearing it yeah. and I think that might be true for a lot of activists as well is even if they think they understand but maybe they're not experiencing what we are even if we try to explain, they're also very emotional and they're not open to hearing yeah. it. Yeah. And I think, you know, like understanding that there's going to be that bit of a barrier, we don't always have to be the one to kind of fix their perception of what we're doing. Yeah. And that's, that's okay. Yeah. Letting, letting them be a little upset is okay. And it doesn't have to be on us, I guess yeah. is the point of what I'm trying right. to say right. is like, we tend to internalize that and feel like we need to do to something to address that. Right. Yeah. And we're constantly, right. We're always progressing. We're always in this mindset of doing good, doing better. Do we need to fix that problem? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm kind of reminded um, of a, an interview I heard with a relief pitcher that I think pitched for the Phillies, maybe a long time ago. I'm going to age myself, but there was a, a pitcher named Tug McGraw. And this was in the area when there were first really closer pitchers in baseball. And, you know, you'd come in with bases loaded and nobody out and have to save the game. And this reporter asked him how he dealt with that stress. And he said, oh, I used the frozen ice ball theory. Guy said, what? what? He goes, oh, yeah, you know, in 10 million years when the earth is a frozen ball of ice hurtling through space, 
nobody's going to remember if I struck that guy out or not. <laughs> now that's big picture. <laughs> <laughs> that as as much as I get a kick out of that, though, mm -hmm. I do for me, one of the things that relieves stress is caring deeply about something that matters not at all in the big picture. I love baseball and I really want my team to go all the way. Yeah. And you know what? That doesn't really matter in the overall scheme of things. If if my team loses every 162 games a year, it's not going to ruin my life. And I, that to me is stress relief too. Yeah. You know, to, to have something that's important that means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. It won't break the bank as long as you're not gambling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. True. True. <laughs> uh, so what do you do? Let's say you've had a stressful day at work. Nothing's gone right. How do you keep from bringing that home? Or do you bring it home? I try not to. I think it helps a lot that um, Brian and I don't do the same thing. So, you know, I don't tend to go home and talk about everything that happened at work. If I have a crazy day, we talk about it and then he <laughs> kind of like, okay. <laughs> but it doesn't tend to escalate. If I yeah. do come home and vent about something, it kind of just, it gets it off my chest and then it kind of ends there. Um, and then, I don't know, I think it, <laughs> honestly, right now we have so many things happening with the kids after school. It kind of, I don't know that I'm, Hopefully I'm not burying the stress underneath their activities, but, you know, being like being able to focus on them and get them to the things that are important to them and that they have fun in and watching them smile and laugh. I think yeah. it really puts a lot into perspective. Um, yeah. You know, I know I've, I don't know, life happens, right. And we've all had different challenges and yeah. I think I'm very, I, because of circumstances that have happened with my family in the past, like, we tend to be pretty appreciative of right now. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. even though I might be worried about my merit and promotion that happens in a year, <laughs> I'm not going to worry about that right now. <laughs> Actually, the farmer I was at the other day, he goes, do you know what WIN stands for? I was like, I've never heard this. He said, it stands for what is important now. I was like, oh, that's good. That's a win. So <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I think that was like really that. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to, hard to remember that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially when the kids are screaming and it's just another yeah. thing. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, that's been a, an adjustment um, for both Sammy and I that, that will take a while to get through with both kids being gone and kind of what it, what it's like coming home now and, you know, not having those after-school activities, the Gold Country Fairs this week. First time I haven't been there with a kid showing sheep in, gosh, fifteen years maybe. Wow, yeah. So you guys have to go years. anyway. See <laughs> <laughs> friends. <laughs> I think it's it'll be good for um, friends not to see me there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
it's funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> I don't know. I've heard a lot of folks, whether it's retirement or being empty nesters, like how that really changes dynamics at home and those yeah. relationships. Yeah. I don't know. Sammy's only got one kid at home that she's got to worry about anymore. You and know? that's you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the least mature of the three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so, I think that's part of why yeah. I think I picked up knitting too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something to focus on, like you said, that doesn't really matter. <laughs> but but uh, it also has that physical component to it, right? Yeah. 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 I like yeah. I like woodworking for that reason. I like I like doing sheep work for that reason, to be honest. Yeah. There's a physical component to it. Yeah. Yeah. I read a um during the last drought, read a an interesting series of articles that were written by a woman in I think in Oklahoma. Um I think they were called Letters from the Dust Bowl, and I forget what magazine it might have been the atlantic published them during the 30s um and one of the the things that she expressed which i have certainly felt during drought you know you you see a cloudy day and you think god oh, this is going to be this is going to do it it's going to break the drought and nothing happens and it's just kind of this constant um chronic reminder that you don't have any control over things mm -hmm. and i think that um, that for me and in, in working with the folks that I work with here is, is something I want to spend some time working on and thinking about how extension can be helpful. I think with the uncertainty in the climate that we're all experiencing right now, regardless of where you think why this is happening, uh, but that uncertainty and that feeling of powerlessness to to be able to deal with it i think um is real and it's something something we need to figure out how to help each other within our communities kind of work through and not only adapt to the to the on the ground issues but deal with the middle stress of constantly having to adapt I think. yeah and i think that might be where having that understanding what your why is like why mm -hmm. do we do this why mm -hmm. is this a family operation that the family is really important is this are you doing this for environmental you know stewardship reasons are i think understanding that why is what helps communities be more resilient it's what mm -hmm. helps you get through but not only get through but recover quickly mm -hmm. is having that big picture in that direction and it, it's that kind of purpose for why we are constantly willing to adapt. And because every year is different. And yeah, mm -hmm. I think that the farming community is so incredible for that. It seems like, you know, every year you have your breeding dates, you have your things that you do year in and year out, but not one year looks the same. Right. And that is still progress. Even when you're just trying to maintain status quo in farming, that's progress because right. things are constantly changing because so much is out of your control. So even if you feel like you're not making the progress that you want in your, you know, what, whether it be your lambs or, you know, the fact that 
you're able to maintain an operation, that's progress. Right. And, you know, I think we put a lot of pressure on getting to a certain thing. And, you know, maybe it would help to have understand where you're at right now so that you can kind of measure those changes. Uh, I think that's where a lot of those conversations come in. But just knowing that being here and doing what you're doing, that's that's huge. And that's really important. Yeah. And I think having being intentional about the why of, of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thinking about that, at least on occasion, is important too. You know, not just not just going through the motions, but kind of understanding the why of what what we're trying to do. And I, I think one of the um, the the last route kind of coincided with some big changes in our sheep business in terms of income potential and all sorts of things. And our operation looks a lot different in 2021 than it did in 2011, um, Mm -hmm. largely because of those dynamics. But our operation still exists. And our operation exists in a place for me that's kind of more viable and sustainable in terms of my time availability. And part of the why for us during that whole period was to help our fam or help our daughters kind of have some connection with where food and fiber came from and appreciation for for a long-term commitment to the land and that still exists right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I, that that was a stressful time but I, I thinking about about what you just said about keeping in mind the why of it is is also a, a coping mechanism I think and maybe that's something why. extension can help is helping folks kind of dial in on what that is. And then from there, what are their, you know, what are their long-term goals versus short-term goals? I think there are some resources out there that can help do that on an individual basis. And then, you know, that's kind of what that mission statement that goes on the wall that you can always reflect back to. Yeah. Yep. And kind of coming back to where we started with, with extension too, I think it, um, where extension is effective in those arenas is where people are part of the community, right? Yep. That may be the real value of extension is that it's not, it's not somebody sitting in the ivory tower doing research. It's somebody have that you see at the store and see at the ball game, see at the kids soccer game. And Oh, by the way, I've got this question about why my sheep are have diarrhea right now. Yep. It, it's one thing to, it's almost, it's important to ask a neighbor some of those questions or a, somebody within your community and have that kind of relationship, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Man, we were all over today. I know. <laughs> and we didn't, I don't even think we finished. I don't think there is ever a, <laughs> an end point to this. But <laughs> I, probably, I should mention that I'll have, Hopefully today, I will put these up on the website on the UC Sheep and Goat website. So if you just Google UCCE Sheep and Goat, you'll find the UCANR website. And I'll put a tab that just says mental health resources. And we'll put these, we'll put the ones that you sent from Montana. And just there's so many great resources out there. Um, But yeah, it's a good place to start. 
That's great. That's great. We're going to do a, um, a drought workshop in mid-October here in the foothills, really focused on resiliency. I think all of us, myself included, are tired about um, thinking about all the bad stuff that comes with drought. And I think we really want to focus on kind of what Ryan and I talked about a little bit last week. Um, and I think mental health needs to be part of that conversation mm -hmm. too. You know, I think part, this may not be so true today, but, but sheep are stoic and so are ranchers. <laughs> and sometimes it's good to be reminded that some of this stuff is hard and challenging and, and there's a community out there that'll help you through it too. Yeah. Yep. And maybe that, maybe it's harder now, even with so many, you know, young farmers coming up that don't necessarily have those long, you know, family relationships and things that have been right. doing this for generations. And I mean, even those that have been doing this for generations, this is such a different year than any other year that just yeah. having, having those, that community is really important. So Hopefully. leave just one one thought that i think is a great model and i I'd, i want to figure out a way for an operation of our size to kind of replicate this i know two families that are are longtime cattle operations in northeastern california um, who have lunch the entire crew and the entire family have lunch every day during the wow. work week and um, that somebody's committed. I mean, in both cases, somebody's cooking for 12, 15 people every day. But they both, both of the, the principals in those operations have told me, you know, sometimes it's a chance for us to meet and kind of plan out the rest of the day or the rest of the week. But a lot of time, it's a chance to take a break and come in and laugh. Yeah. And um one family in particular, the three brothers are all in their mid seventies or older. And I asked them if they'd ever seen a year as dry as this. And rather than say no and complain and whine, they said, Nope, isn't this fun? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But it, I, there's something to that kind of. Well, think about, I mean, I hate to be so cliche, but think about how much, we'll learn from this year and how just having gone through these challenges and making it through because we will what you know the next time something even similar like this happens we'll have that in our the back of our brain yep okay we've yep. done this before it may not look exactly the same but we can do this yep that's cool yep. <laughs> Isn't this fun? Yep. yeah <laughs> yeah uh well, you got kids soccer this weekend. Soccer yeah, game started. Yeah, first games. Awesome. Yeah. I'm coaching Chris's team, and they are Team T Rex. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> we have a, a friends whose kids are a little older than ours that told us at this stage they called it Guppy Ball. Like yeah. Put fish food in the bowl and. They're all attacking the ball at one time. So right? that's probably what Ellie's will look like. <laughs> Ellie's the U6. Chris oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three yeah. and four-year-olds. So it's pretty much going to be like parents on the field dragging their kids around, <laughs> <laughs> trying to stop them from crying when someone takes the ball away. <laughs> so fun. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be cute. <laughs> yep. Yep. Very cool. 
Well, thanks for putting those resources together too. And, and I'll we'll put links on, on it to, um, on my website as well. And good, good, important information. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And our, so, you know, we talked last time about the, um, enormous, I think I've lost at, you. <laughs> oh, I can hear you. You're frozen, but I can All right, hear you. Well, I don't think you can hear me. Are you there? I can oh. hear you. The wonders of modern technology. This is Sheep Stuff You Should Know. I'm Dan Macon up in Auburn, Dr. Rosie Bush down. Oh, in okay. <laughs> and there she's back. See, now if we took that ad revenue of $15 a week, <laughs> we could upgrade the internet connection at, at the office here. <laughs> could we? <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> or we could... Um, Go have a beer once a month somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll let you take us out. I started to take us out, but I think it's your turn. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> well, this has been Sheep Stuff You Should Know. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, this is Dr. Rosie Bush with Dan Macon. We'll see you next time. Bye, Dan. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.